0: Humanitarian, business leader, award-winning social innovator, professional development, pioneer, world record breaker. There are some of the words often used when referring to my friend Ian Hill. He's on the show today talking about his latest journey to be the oldest man to play college football. And he's like 57 years old, you guys. It's an incredible story that includes working to unlock men and bring awareness to mental health. Let's meet my friend Ian Hill. My brother, a good day and an afternoon. I was like, how have we not done this already?
1: I know. on me. It's crazy, but I'm glad that we finally are and honored to be on the show. And, you know, thank you for all the work that you do to highlight those that are making a difference and specifically all of those that have served honorably and nobly our country. And thank you for bringing their stories to the attention of us all.
0: Yeah, man, it is my pleasure and honor. And we've been having a blast doing it. We're Rocking and rolling, man, 140-something episodes, and uh, it's been just a great time. It's been a great journey, and 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 as you know, when you put yourself out there, when you do things like this, you get to meet incredible people, and you get right. to welcome these people kind of into your life, and sometimes for just a little bit, right? Fleeting moments on some, but then others like you, where we've developed a relationship and we've gotten to know each other over the last year, and that's and a big right. part of the work we're doing together at NGBN, which is uh, a great... Effort that you've started and spearheaded national grassroots broadcasting network, really around a mission of creating a place where men can go to consume information tailored for them, men in their thirties, forties, fifties, with the with the underlying goal of really addressing mental health and letting guys know they're not alone, which is pretty uh, pretty incredible. So man, I'm just I'm pumped that we get to do it. You're in Las Vegas today. You're traveling. You're a traveling I'm in Las man. Vegas.
1: I'm, uh, I'm in Las Vegas in my car, in my rental car, talking to you. And um, you know, you're right, this this journey of giving men, middle aged men in their forties, fifties, and sixties a play to gather and a place to gather and congregate and um gain meaningful information and tangible tools. Um that that is something that we're both involved in. And you're a great contributor to that and we're excited to have you as a part.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's go back to the beginning. Cause you've got a really incredible origin story and I don't want to gloss over it and miss it before we talk about how the heck in your mid to late fifties, you plan on playing college football, which is amazing in and of itself and yeah. a pretty tough position that all eyeballs are on. And if you screw up, everybody knows it because you're going to try to be not try to, you will become the oldest man to play college football and
1: doing it. The longest I, and time- Brian, the On that note, it's really important oldest man to play division one college division player. one even right even another piece to right, take
0: me back 57 ish years ago because your origin story into this world and then into life i mean it's pretty incredible so share yeah, a little bit about that with it's, us. A,
1: it's a it's a story of blessing that's for sure i was an infant smuggled out of iran a united states air force sergeant and his wife so John Wallace Hill and Wilma Jean, Wilma Jean Hill, that's a great name, is it? Sure, the hell Hill, is, yeah, they don't make it to that uh, anymore. Yeah, they uh, brought this little baby, Persian baby, to the United States. Now, here's the crazy thing. You couldn't take a Persian child out of Iran at the time, so they purchased me on the black market. Whoa. There was an exchange done at the hospital. An Iranian woman came into the hospital claiming to have a stomach ailment, but she was pregnant. And then Wilma Jean went into the hospital claiming that she was pregnant, but she was not. And the doctor made the switch and signed all the paperwork. So Wilma Jean, the non-pregnant woman who claimed to be pregnant, walked out with a baby that was not her own. The remuneration for the doctor was two cases of scotch that that Air Force Sergeant had brought over from England while he was stationed at the embassy there in Tehran. They got to know the doctors and the elite of the community. And and that's how the whole thing happened on paper. I'm a United States citizen born abroad. I'm no different of a citizen than you, which means that the consul general who signed that document knew it wasn't true. The ambassador who signed that document knew it wasn't true. Because, of course, they would have known John and Wilma. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think about it, an embassy is a pretty small place, especially an embassy in a place like Tehran. They would have been at some event or some activity through that nine month gestation period, right? And then all of a sudden. I just saw her a week ago. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Wilma has a baby. Um, So, you know, when I think back on all of the people that were involved in getting me here, it's pretty crazy. Tragically, my uh, Wilma Jean Hill, she passed away when I was five. She died when I was five. And, you know, although a decorated uh, Air Force veteran of some 33 plus years, um, old John wasn't probably the greatest dad of all time. He was an E-9, retired as an E-9. But he wasn't the greatest father of all time but they gave me the gift of freedom. They gave me the gift of this country. And um, I, it is, it's the hand of divine providence working mightily to move someone from one place to another. And if you think of it, what would I be in Iran right now? Right. Yeah. Think about that. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. I
0: I think about, Not to be too um, morbid or any,
1: I think about the fact that you're alive today. Oh yeah. honestly, I mean, mean, you think about all the different directions, but as I said a moment ago, obviously um, divine intervention to snatch a child and say, your destiny is not in this land. Your destiny is in another land. mm. And then have emissaries, if you will, who transport you, in some crazy way to another land. And then they leave, right? Then they leave. That's the other crazy part, right? Tragically, she passes away. I find her as a five-year-old. I go in to wake her up. We're at her parents' home. I go to wake her up for dinner because she was taking a nap and she had had a heart attack and she passed away. And then uh, my adopted father, if you want to use the word adoption, um, you know, he left for whatever reason. By the time I was about 13 and then was intermittent in my young life, I lived in a number of different homes um, and then was gone by the time I was 18. I was no longer really in contact with him. And so, you know, these people that were the transporters who got me to this country, then gone. And, you know, you, you then have to ask yourself, well, what the hell am I supposed to do with my life? And you know, in my darkest times and in my hardest times, I always come back to there's got to be a reason for all of this. There's got to be a reason for all this craziness. And, you know, there's a purpose and a destiny to it all. And don't don't let that down. Fulfill that destiny and fulfill that purpose.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if you believe, which I know you do and I do as well, that, you know, God intercedes in your life or plans and you take the the purpose in your life to change the world to to quite literally change the world it then happens through all those things i talked about at the beginning humanitarian award winner right doing things like let them be kids where you guys have impacted 170 communities across north america faraways africa building playground structures for kids i mean it it, it is Uh, and all
1: and all of those
0: honoring fallen soldiers right i mean so does all that humanitarian effort, I suppose, spur from sort of carrying that weight of, I've been given an amazing gift here, and I sure the shit better not squander it.
1: That, and I think, yes, absolutely. And also pain, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, when you live from in a, dump, a bunch of different homes, when you don't really have any parents, when you don't know your origins, your identity, you don't have an identity, like, I don't know who my parents are my biological parents when you deal with the when you deal with like many not unique to me but when you deal with the idea of well why would my mom put me up for sale like what was wrong with me or you know why would the people that were charged with my care leave always continually leave so it's this weird dichotomy of destiny and purpose but at the same time uh, an emptiness a uh, uh a uh struggling with the effects of abandonment, as we've learned so much about that in today's day and age. So not you certainly unique, but not different. So many adults today went through difficult and challenging childhoods that involved multiple caregivers, that involved multiple family structures and or, or family units that were would be Deemed as unique at minimum as strange at best, you know what I mean? Uh, One end of the spectrum unique at the other end of the spectrum, not so hot. Right. And so I don't think, uh, although my circumstances are unique, I don't know if the effects are unique. I think there's a lot of middle-aged guys and gals that went through rough childhoods that wake up one day and say, Oh, you know what? I got some abandonment stuff. Or, you know what? I got some trust issues. So on one hand, yeah, we've done some amazing, amazing work. And on the other hand, I've self-destructed it a couple times. And I've self-sabotaged it a couple of times. And I've driven it into the ditch a couple of times. So I think it's a unique dichotomy of, of the struggles of that destiny and purpose and trying to get on the right road to fulfill it.
0: Yeah, incredible. All right, we're going to talk about this mission behind NGBN. Before we do that, Tell me about breaking the record of talking continuously for the most <laughs> amount of
1: time. Because as a guy who loves to talk. That's why, I mean. the, that's why this podcast is going to be seven and a half hours, because <laughs> you're interviewing the man <laughs> that it, for, for a right. little bit of time spoke longer than any of, uh, anybody else had ever done so on the planet. At the time, I was on another mission, and it was to help kids it was a group of kids actually in a place called Carson city, Nevada mm-hmm. It was a soccer program. And many of those kids had been told that they weren't worthy or they had no value. This group of kids had been invited to represent the United States at the women's world cup, which was being held in Canada at the time about seven years ago, almost eight years ago now. And uh, the money had to be raised and More importantly than the money having to be raised, they had to know that they had worth. Mm. I told them that we were going to go. We're going to go to Canada and we're going to represent the United States, about 80 kids. To the point that I had, we were fired up. Everybody believed we could go. The problem was the money, the money. I remember a couple of their parents coming to me and saying, stop, stop, stop telling these kids they're going to Canada. They're never going to go to Canada we don't have the money to pay for them to go to Canada and we'll never raise the money because no one will donate to these kids. Mm. Mm. So I thought to myself, what could I do? What could I do that would be, you know, get publicity that would get attention? I thought, well, what's the world's longest speech. So I looked it up. It was some pastor and I thought 50, 50 hours. I could talk 50 hours. Um, and so I set out, told all the kids, I'm going to break the world record for the world's longest speech. And we're going to do it as kind of a telethon and we're going to raise money. Now, what's funny, Brian, is no one went like this. Oh, I don't know if you could talk for that long. Everybody was like, oh yeah, no problems. (laughs) So it wasn't a doubt of whether I could talk for 50 hours. It was just what people donate money. Right, right. So we, we set off on a Thursday morning with the goal of speaking till Saturday morning. You couldn't stop talking for longer than 10 seconds.
0: Okay. So any nutrition you get in, you got to get in in 10
1: seconds. Oh yeah. And you could take a break, but you had to bank the breaks, right? You had to speak. I, I think every, every three hours you could bank five minutes or something like okay. that. Okay. And we were following the Guinness book of world records rules.
0: Did they bring anybody in to verify or
1: you guys? T- no, cause you know what you don't realize is they charge you for that. Oh, I'm sure they do. Of course they They do. charge you to bring a person. Now you can, you have, they charge you to put, submit your application. But if you want to go to the next level and have somebody from Guinness there, they right. charge you for that. So oh, yeah, we bro, I'm trying to, this. I'm trying
0: to raise money for these guys. Yeah, you exactly. Guys. There's no so, expenditure items here.
1: So it was, you know, it was miracles, a little fishing village in, in Canada, Twillingate, Newfoundland. They donated a thousand bucks. And well, long story short, we raised over $25,000. I spoke for 51 and a half hours. About what? And we broke the world record. Well, you know, that's the other thing, Brian, it has to be a coherent line of consciousness. You
0: said a speech, right? A speech to me, yes. means you're not just rambling. There's gotta be, right.
1: it's, a, it's a coherent battle. line of consciousness for 51 and a half hours. So you can't just grab some books. Right, now, so was the and you mentioned this at the beginning, we have a professional development company. So basically I just made it a 51 and a half hour seminar and we just wow. took curriculum and we taught curriculum and we had people tune in. around the world that's the other thing you have to broadcast it live you have to have 10 people in the audience at all times so uh we did break the record unofficially there was an hour where we did not have 10 people in the audience Mm. at three o'clock in one of the mornings we had volunteers scheduled the whole time and we went down to i think seven volunteers So, But we absolutely broke the record and uh, spoke longer than anybody else had. But it it was for those kids.
0: Yeah. You're purpose-driven. It's a purpose-driven endeavor.
1: So they show them that they had value and that they had worth and that all things were possible. You're going to go and watch the Women's World Cup. You're going to go compete in the President's Invitational. You're going to go from the Empire, that's the name of that neighborhood, the Empire neighborhood of Carson City, Nevada, your, your mom is a maid, your father is a custodian, and you're going to go spend a week representing the United States in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, at the Women's World Cup as a 10-year-old little girl or uh, a 14-year-old boy. You're going to go represent the United States of America. And they did. And they did they did honorably and they did nobly. And a couple of the teams won the championship, a couple teams got second place. And... I hope it was a life-changing endeavor and and it, and it rallied people and people gave from far and wide. And we were able to take those kids. And, you know, it's funny because now those kids, I see them every once in a while, not as much anymore, of course, but now they're in college, mm-hmm. you know, now they're in college or they're graduating from high school or in some of the, the high school kids that went there, they're young parents.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so you know, you, you try to be used as an instrument for good. Uh, it was difficult. It was not easy to speak that long. I mean, it seems like, oh, you know, you just get up and talk. But sleep deprivation, you're on your feet that long. Like you said, nutrition is an issue. So it was uh, it was tough. It was definitely difficult, but I'm, I would do it all over again. Uh, How did you feel at the end of that? I mean, like uh, phys- I was, physically. I was, I was wiped, man. I can honestly tell you that the last from three o'clock to eight o'clock that last five hours, I have no idea what I was saying. I know that I was, I was emotional. I was talking about our society. Mm. I was talking about, uh, I I certainly did talk about our faith Mm -hmm. and it was, it was a challenge. It was funny. Many of the young people were, uh, Latino, And oftentimes in that culture, instead of wearing a jacket when it's cold, you wear a blanket, right? So at about five o'clock in the morning, that last morning, all the kids started filing into the auditorium. And they sat up in the front. And it was important that I never, I didn't use, I didn't drink Red Bull. I didn't drink coffee. I didn't have a monster drink because I didn't want them to think that, oh, he's just caffeined up. Yeah. And I was stumbling. I was stumbling. Like I, I was, I was having a tough time. And I'll never forget one of the little ones just said, you could do it, coach. You could have this little voice, you know, saying to me, you know, you can do it coach. You can do it coach. You can do it coach. And, you know, it just, you find somewhere down deep inside to push mm. and you push and you push and you push and the next you know, Everyone's dancing and cheering, and everybody's hugging. And then you go and have a, a meal and go to sleep. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, Big sleep. Yeah, hi- hibernation after something That's like
1: that. Right. That's right. All
0: right. So let's talk about the new journey. This this journey you're on now to be the oldest man to play Division One college football, and how it connects with this idea around building this grassroots network, this place for men to go consume information for them and midlife men. Cause they, to me, they, they're connected, right? There's a, Oh yeah. Well, they they are
1: definitely connected. They're part of a, they're part of an effort, an effort to kick the crap out of depression, an effort to strike a blow against the evil of mental illness. Uh, With all of that good stuff that we talked about at the age of 50, I crashed. I actually shortly after, you know, not you know, shortly after that world record, I struggled. And although we were having success in our company in Canada and successful projects here in the United States and both and philanthropic endeavors, I was lost. I was lost. I was hollow as a person. There was incongruency between what people thought I was public and what I thought what I thought I was. Mm privately. I didn't think I was worthy of all those keys to the city that I was getting, literal keys to the city, or the awards that I was getting. And as I said, some of that had to do with the past, that trauma of my youth. Some of it had to do with self-inflicted wounds that I had created through poor choices. It all came together to a, I don't want to live anymore. Mm. I went through a deep depression. And I self-destructed my companies, and I self-destructed my charity, and I self-destructed my family, because I didn't want to live anymore. And it wasn't that I didn't want to live. I came to find out later. I just couldn't live like that. Mm -hmm. So I went through depression, and I went through suicide, the idea every day of wanting to leave the planet because you can't function on it. When I came out of that through the love and care of Minnie, I wanted to do something to fight against depression. In simple terms, I wanted to kick the shit out of depression. And if depression was going to take me out, cost me so much, then I was going to go rob depression of a thousand men. Yeah. What can I do for a thousand men? And I was reminded because we've been kind of skirting or talked a little bit or alluded to faith. There's a story in the Bible of Abraham and his nephew, Lot. Mm-hmm. Lot, Lot. for those of you that don't know, is kind of a knucklehead. He's kind of takes advantage of this really wealthy uncle of his, who's very generous and very kind. And Lot is just kind of a knucklehead, knuckleheaded nephew. You've seen those stereotypical knuckleheaded nephew taking advantage of a rich uncle. So Lot goes and gets himself in a jam, and next thing you know, he's get basically kidnapped by this other king who takes Lot and his family off, and you're going to capture him and all of the town that Lot lives in, and they're going to take the spoils of war, and they're going to go back to their land. So Abraham says, what? Lot? Lot's in trouble? My nephew? Now remember, this Lot has been a clown. He doesn't have to do anything to help him if he doesn't want to. No, because he's been a jerk. He's been a clown. He's been a. He'd have every reason not to help him. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. But that's not what Abraham does. What Abraham does is gathers together three hundred and eighteen of his best men. Says, "Boys, round up everybody. We're gonna go get Lot." And those three hundred and eighteen men, you know, they gotta be saying to each other, "What? Are you nuts? We're gonna go fight three kings." To go get Lot back? To hell with that. That's crazy talk. But they're loyal to Abraham. They get on their donkeys and off they go. And they go whoop ass. Defeat these kings, these mighty kings in their army. 318 of them to do one thing. Rescue one man and his family. So for me, I started looking at that and started for whatever it was heavy on my heart. What could we do to go rescue one man? And I thought about all the times that I was alone. I thought about, and this won't sit well with some, all the dudes of faith that walked away from me. Yeah. Yeah. All the guys that were in prayer groups and all the guys that were thumping Bibles and all the guys that were supposed, you know, oh, we got to be a brotherhood. And they were nowhere to be found when I was talking about killing myself. Yeah. And so when I came out of it, I said, well, we're not going to let that happen no more we're going to go and create a model that will give men a place. So first it was this idea of breaking the world record. It was twofold idea. One, I needed something that would solidify this new Ian, something that would make me eat right. Something would make Mm. me get my mind right every day. Something that would make me force myself to be physically fit, force myself to be mindful of everything Get outside your
0: comfort zone a little bit.
1: Way outside my comfort, mm-hmm. Forced me to change. And the only way to do that was set a big goal. Well, athletics had saved me in the past as a kid, and I thought athletics could save me again. So I'll go be the oldest man to play division one college football. The second part of that oldest man to play division one college football. So the first part was save my own life. The second part was let's take other men on that journey. Yep. From a marketing standpoint, we'll use it as the big end of the funnel. It'll grab, it'll grab men's attention but that in and of itself was not enough because you can't grab their attention. Where are you gonna send them to? So we started partnering with different organizations like headsupguys.org, phenomenal platform, web-based platform could give guys tools and resources. But then we thought, you know what? There wasn't a place that I could go when I woke up during the day. Like if I turned on uh, the radio or if I opened up my search engine or if I turned on my TV, Honestly, Brian, I'd look at it all and go, "Shit, I should kill myself." This yeah. is that going to hell? Terrible. A bitch, right. yeah, it's terrible. So I thought, you know what? Let's launch a television network.
0: It's terrible, and none of it's designed for me. And quite frankly, a lot of it's telling me they don't even
1: need me around anymore. Well, how about this? It's telling me that I'm a buffoon. It's telling yep. me, you know, I'm you a look fat at most, slob. I'm all yep. yeah. You look at most television shows today, and the implication is that the middle-aged man is a buffoon. The middle-aged man is. A week. The I, had a, man, I had a debate
0: my brother about it. I can't remember the name of the cell phone company, and somebody will remember it. I just it's blanking on me because I was so hot about it. It's a commercial that's on TV right now, where it's a family of like six: wife, husband. Husband has got the mustache. He, he just looks terrible. His hair's a disaster. His white collar shirt is all stretched out, and their house is in chaos. Smash cut to his wife's sister, so his sister-in-law saying. See, they had a family to get the family plan. I get the family plan without the family, right. and that family look and that man looks absolutely terrible. And that right. guy is bound for six feet in the ground by himself.
1: One hundred percent. So I hear
0: you loud and clear.
1: So, so the media has painted the middle-aged man as less than a man. Yeah, it's the it's funny. The one segment of our society that it's still okay to pick on. Middle-aged men. That's a fair point. Yep. You could pick on middle-aged men. Yeah. So, so, I said, you know what? We got to create through the wonders of technology and OTT, so Roku, Apple TV, mm-hmm. Amazon Fire, mobile apps. We could launch a television network for these men, or we could provide middle uh, meaningful information. We could provide tangible tools. We could provide uh, a buffet of content creators to engage these men in personal development, professional development. Uh, physical fitness and wellness and nutrition and finance and relationships and dating and all the things a one-stop shop for all the things that a middle-aged man would need including sports, yep. including you know talking about pop culture a, a, a stop a place specifically designed for men in their 40s, 50s and 60s to completely wrap around them and help move them to their best in that in that phase of their lives. So that two-pronged strategy, right, I'm going to go be the crazy old man that goes and plays Division I college football to prove that all things are possible and it prove that even in your middle age, you can do amazing things. And it's going to grab the attention of men, men who are hurting and men who are broken and men who are challenged. And then we're going to funnel those men to our network and our partner organizations to wrap around them and help them be their best. And most importantly, help move those that are in a struggle or in a challenge away from the precipice of suicide and move them into wellness and mental strength and mental resiliency. And that's what we're doing.
0: It's incredible. You talk about that story a lot. I think about then later, you know, you connect, connect the Old Testament to the New Testament. We'll hop in the faith for a moment. And Jesus tells the story of that that good shepherd, right? And and that idea that if you have a hundred sheep, if one goes astray, when most would tell you, just forget it. It's one. It's one. Get a hundred sheep, man. Get everything you need with the ninety-nine that are left. You leave the ninety-nine. You go for the one. You guys get that here, right? You guys listen and get that here. That's we've hammered that home right? We've talked a lot about how suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. You can't get to the hope without having to suffer along the line. And at the same way, when you've got a hundred and if one goes astray, you go and get him. You leave no man behind. That's what you're doing here.
1: I, I know for a fact that there is a man, I don't know his name. Yep. I don't know where he lives. Yep. I don't know his circumstances, but I know this, in November, and I can't tell you the, the weekend yet, but in November on a Saturday night at 10.15, 10. 10.23, 10. Eastern Standard Time, Sports Center is going to come on. And there's going to be the plays of the day. And play number six of the day is going to be this guy, Ian Hill, who snapped the ball as the oldest man to play division one college football. And it's going to be one of the plays of the day. And they're going to do a little story on it. And I'm going to say this, you have worth, you have value and the world's better for you being here. And that guy is going to put down that revolver mm-hmm. or he's going to put down that, that, uh, you know, those pills that are in his hand and he's going to say, what, <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> what did some crazy guy do? And then he's going to go read about it and he's going to realize that someone bounced back from the precipice of suicide to break a world record for him, for him. And that's who I'm doing it for. You know, what's funny, Brian, I, it hurts when you're 57 years old to train two and three times a day. Like I was in the gym I, before I was before this, why I'm in my car, because I was coming from the gym and my groin hurts. My lower abdomen hurts. It hurts to walk. And today I was like, what the frick, man? What are we doing, bro? <laughs> right. It's such a long shot, Ian. It's so, so, when you really lay it out, it's so improbable and plausible, Ian. What are we doing? And I just think about that one dude, that one dude that needs something that says to him that, His three hundred thousand dollars in debt can be dealt with. That his fractured and broken family, wife and kids won't talk to him can be reconciled. That his health issues can be can be treated. He needs some hope, and that's why I got back to work. That's why I didn't walk out of the gym, because he needs some hope. And as crazy and as Pollyannish as it seems, that's me. That's you, that's us, that's all of us that are involved in NGBN. We're gonna bring the hope. So if you're out there today and you're a man and you're challenged and you're having difficulties, just know I'm training for you every day. Every day. I know what it's like to be alone. I know what it's like when everybody leaves you. I know what it's like when everybody doesn't believe in you and you're living on your past laurels of what you did four and five and six and eight and 10 years ago, but today's a mess. I know what that's like, and I know how hopeless it can feel. And I'm telling you, I'm training for you every day. And when you see me do it and accomplish it, know that you will overcome your challenge too.
0: This is the first time I've ever done this on this show. We're going to do it right now. Quick moment. Put your head down for a second, all right? God, just be with my brother Ian as he goes through this journey. God, give him the strength to follow through that suffering so in him it can build that endurance and that character and that hope. Let him continue to be a light for you so that every single person that sees this, hears this, watches this, and hears about his story knows they are not alone. We love you. and we thank you in that journey with him. Amen.
1: All right. Now let me do something. Yeah. So father, you bow your head, please. So father, I just pray for the broken men that are, and the broken people that are listening to this right now, the people that have given up hope, the people that don't believe that it's possible, but Lord, your word says that you make the crooked places straight and the high places low. And that you carve out a, a tunnel of hope and a mountain of despair And so I just pray for the broken people. And I pray that you'd bring them peace today and you'd bring them um, a vehicle to get out of the mess that they're in. And whether that mess is circumstantial or self-created, have compassion on them and give them a spark of hope right now. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, brother. Guys, there's two places you need to go with the time that we have left to support Ian to see what's going on. NGBN.TV, right? So you can go there and you can see everything that's happening. You can see the lineup. You can see the amazing people that are coalescing behind this. Incredible. incredible, Amazing humans. Incredible people. Incredible. People like Chris Rubio, who's coaching yeah. you to, to become a long snapper. This guy has coached up. We had him on the show recently. Hundreds, thousands of, of young men that have gone on to play at the highest of levels. And there's just so many amazing people that are part of the Guys like Ben Smith who bring nothing but light and joy into the world i can't name everybody
1: i mean you go on and on so many incredible content creators who have uh who have walked the path yeah they're not just travel agents they're tour guides That's right. and they and they got tools and they got mm-hmm. inspiration <laughs> and they got education for you and they're going to help you so yeah ngbn.tv and then season to save a life.org yep. season to save a and if you go there you can either get tools and resources from our partners, but if you're in crisis, nine eight eight nine eight eight nine eight eight nine eight eight, you just dial nine eight eight on your phone, and there will be a professional there to talk with you, help you, and support you. And they're not going to judge you; they're going to stand with you, and then they're going to they're going to guide you to get the help that you need.
0: When's your birthday? You don't have to tell me the November exact. 30th.
1: November. November thirtieth, nineteen sixty-five. I'm fifty-seven years old right now, and. You know, there's a good chance that when I break the record, I'll be 58. It's incredible, man. And the cool thing about that is, the cool thing about that is, it just means it'll be harder for someone else to break.
0: That's true. Oh, this one we're gonna break this one. It's gonna hang. It's gonna hang out there for a while. My brother, we could we could do this for hours and hours, and I'd love to. But uh, I'm just so grateful, and I know you've got you've got. uh, If you already trained, maybe you got a little recovery time in front of you today.
1: Yeah, and then I got another workout at five Mm -hmm. o'clock night. Train at 10 a.m. Train at 5 p.m. You know what, Brian, thank you for this incredible service that you provide and you tell the stories of people doing awesome things. And I'm humbled to be amongst the people that you have talked to and you have honored and the tools that you're providing and the hope that you're providing through not only the work that you do here, but through your production company where you tell meaningful stories and you impact people with your gift of storytelling through the medium of video and audio. And so thank you for your service to all of us.
0: It's my pleasure, my friend. And uh, there are just, there's so many people out there that maybe y'all haven't heard of before that are out there committed to service, purpose and impact. And it's our job to make sure you get to know who they are, right? Because then maybe you get a little extra motivation to take along with you as we go. My brother, be good. Rest up, uh, train up. And we'll see you on the football season this fall.
1: All right, sir.
0: Thank you. That's right. He's Ian Hill. I'm Brian Jodis. That's been this episode of Pick Up The Six Podcast.